0: Everybody. Welcome along to episode 79 of Percussion Discussion. Uh, please check out our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course our world-famous YouTube channel where you can hear and see all of the interviews that we've done. And of course, if you subscribe, which only takes a second, it means you won't miss any of the upcoming interviews that we've got and there are many of them some great ones as well so i wouldn't want you to miss those so if you can take two seconds to do that i'd be very grateful if you prefer to listen on the go then the great news is all of our conversations are available in podcast form uh free to download uh you can find those on spotify and on apple podcasts so if that's your thing you know what to do uh again please leave us a short review if you can it only takes a second just a few nice words would be very much appreciated of course if you hate it then Put that. I don't care. Um, On to today's guest. It's a first for the show. It's a non drummer, it's a non percussionist, but it's a great musician all the time, all the same. Um, Delighted to have one of the finest UK. Uh, bass players in the world, in fact, but he is British. Um, he's been around a good while now. I'm not going to tell you exactly how long, but um, he's played, he started off with Ice House. Um, he's gone on to play for some incredible bands, Brian Ferry. Um, he's been the mainstay in Pink Floyd since 1986, 1987, I think. Uh, he's played for David Gilmour. Uh, he's played for so many different people. Um, and today... We've brought him along to chat about some of the remarkable drummers that he has played with along the way. And um, you may also know him from the fabulous Rock On Tours podcast that he does with the fabulous Gary Kemp. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome the wonderful Mr. Guy Pratt. You're very welcome. And and I do feel a little bit guilty. You know, I've got one of the most respected and revered bass players on the planet, and I make you talk about drums and drummers. So I apologize. No,
1: I, 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 that's why I'm here. I love it, it's. It's really nice change. And no one ever, you know, no, no, I'm the bass player. No one ever asked me about the drum. But um, so no, it's. Um, I'm very glad to do that because it's. You've actually made me think of actually how incredibly privileged. I've been in terms of the drummers I've worked
0: with, you know. Because I've realised,
1: listen, I've never really thought about it
0: before. So. Yeah, I mean, and let's be honest: without bass players and bass players without drummers, we don't really amount to much. So, I think it's important to to know what we like and dislike about each other. I, I think so, anyway. So, yeah, hopefully. no,
1: definitely. I mean, I've always thought in terms of the music I listen to and love. I've always thought in terms of sections. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's always rhythm sections that I like rather than individual players. It's kind of, some people are amazing, but some people, are in, in you know, not,
0: and the thing isn't there with others. So mm, there it is. So look, you've played, you've played with, enough of them let's be honest and one one that immediately comes to mind and uh, i was very lucky to have him as a former guest on the show and that's your longtime drummer uh, from pink floyd the founding member of course as a drummer that sounds terrible uh you know and of course Sourceful full of secrets mr nick mason i mean nick mason yeah nick's what's incredible is having worked with nick for so long is
1: since we started Sourceful source the secrets mm. i've never played with this guy before yeah, it's amazing because yeah. this, this is the guy and i also now totally i mean i always loved nick and i always loved to see and uh, like, like when i played with pink floyd i always deferred to nick on timing rather than gary i mean because gary's brilliant and of course and, and, and mr perfect mr precision 80s but you know i mean it's i'm the same generation as gary mm. and we come from that machine world whereas but for pink floyd it is it's it's got to be right right back to you know like kind of almost like a sort of beyonce's 16th behind it's almost hip-hop yeah and um and but but what's interesting is so but like but but with the sources this is the first time i've ever played with nick without anyone else right and it's so and it's changed the character of how he plays so much because he hasn't got a net you know Hmm. not his wife a (laughs) net But you know, and, and it's and especially doing so much of that early stuff where he really, you know, he's really, and I now really get because we have a lot of drummers come to the show and they're just like, oh, What well, mate, Nick Mason, and now I, you know, really, really get it. And, and he, because he, what's fantastic is he counts everything, uh, in half the time the rest of us do, where I'm going one, two, three, four, one, two, he's going one, two, three, four, so he gives himself all this space within the beat
0: mm.
1: which is why he can just go i'm in four now i'm in three now I'm you know because it, it's pretty it's kind of like um in the same way as it's like old blues singers when they play with themselves when they just whittle in and out of time because you know there's nothing else to worry about of course. it's also why what's extraordinary is, is what you know doing all the sid barrett stuff which is i mean because because especially when Gary and I are singing stuff together and it, it takes us ages to nail it because at the times, you know, there's a bar of five, there's a bar of three, sure. there's a bar, you know, and it's, and you, you know, you have to, everything's driven by the vocal. And Nick just sails through it. Like the easiest thing in the world, you yeah. know, because he gets it. That's where he comes from. Sure, He doesn't have to work it out. He's not counting anything. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. And I can't tell you what a joy it is. Also, there's, there's this lovely thing that, that happens to all of us, which is that because I'm used to, you know, I'm used to being on stadium stages with Nick. Of course. And so being in this, when we started, you know, like at Dingwalls and the Half Moon, suddenly seeing Nick with all this energy in a sweaty little club, and I suddenly see that kid on stage at the UFO club. Yeah. You know, and that takes me back. To being that sweaty little kid at the Hope and Anchor or the Marquee, or whatever, and sure. I see Gary back at the Blitz. And you know what I mean? It transports everyone back to that fantastic place of of where you started. It's yeah.
0: so good, childlike enthusiasm.
1: Yeah, you can't, you can't beat yeah. it. And also, because and most of these songs, you know, Nick's hasn't played these for years. And he says, mm. a lot of the songs we play have never been played live, yeah. so it's not new, but it's fresh. It's completely fresh. It feels like a new band. I've actually only ever played three of the songs. We do with source for the secrets before oh really yeah well wow, it's so all fresh. fresh you know
0: wow Yeah. gosh and 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 the thing is it's always um uncluttered just simplistic but but
1: right with, with well, nick, yeah find. you say that but there's a couple of things like on astronomy hmm. um and uh, and uh interstellar where nick it actually gets really, really nuts and like mm. really, really fills it up. And I to the point where I get quite worried
0: like, wait, <laughs> <mate. laughs> whoa. <laughs> so, oh. but he makes it, he makes it feel uncluttered, if you like. Isn't no,
1: that? no, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. like nothing gets it's, in it's the way. It's incredibly musical. You know? Yeah, that's that's the thing
0: yeah so i mean i, I i'm i hope to because i know you're supposed to be on tour with saucerful now at the moment i believe we were, were something
1: cancelled st- well, i don't know when this is going up we're starting uh i mean for now it's next month it's april right.
0: okay good it's like, yeah
1: pretty much exactly two years to the day since we
0: were meant to go on tour wow because i remember yeah. talking to nick and he said you know i said what have you been doing and he went trying to rearrange dates for it's like it's like a yeah, guessing it was, it was yeah. a guessing game at the time wasn't it you know a yeah was, a year because, ago, because you had
1: to keep rebooking because there's always that thing because no one knew when you were going to open up but you did know that when you opened up everyone was going to be after those yeah. dates. so you had to just keep so i think it's like our third rebooking you know so um but and we got it we got pretty much everywhere we, we were going to do so i know i can't wait and actually, when we, we started rehearsing, because we were meant to do it, I mean, you know, we cancelled our American tour when the Omicron wave happened. Sure. We cancelled our American tour when the gear was already on a ship. Oh, no. <laughs> luckily, luckily, it turns out even even the production didn't know this. Luckily, it was on a ship going to Rotterdam right. to be moved onto a ship to go to Toronto. So that wasn't so bad. But, um, yeah. Although, frankly, I'm – that because that was a rescheduled tour – not touring america in january <laughs> is not the end of the world
0: i believe so i believe so <laughs> yeah but um but you know i mean moving on f- from nick i mean yeah. some some amazing places some amazing drummers i should say you played with and um one of our mutual friends a good friend of mine i know he's a really good friend of yours is a guy who doesn't have much of um uh, a social media um Whatever the word is, you don't see it. Presence—that's presence, the word—and that's fantastic. The wonderful Jed Lynch. Now I know oh, you've recently yeah. done a. We'll just say a project. We, yeah, we did a project with Pete Townsend, which I brought
1: him on, which for me was um, uh, was just incredible. Was the ultimate box tick because it's it's Pete's fault that I'm a musician at all. So the, um, I can't really talk about the project. I'm much I'm dying to, but um, <laughs> all I can say is that jed was
0: just amazing as he always is and he's such yeah. he hides his light under a bushel that boy he really does you know and, and the thing you're getting three for me there's three main things with jed you're getting a really wonderful drummer a great percussionist and a great hang as well because what no he's you he, know he is adorable he's just adorable there's um
1: uh i'm very very funny but i uh, said so one of the things i love about working with jed is that he's a big picture guy is that is that when he puts his drum part down, that's not it. He's built a whole load of percussion into what he sees. So, so it's kind of like, it's kind of like me saying, I've got the bass part and then picking up a bass with two strings and playing something. And people go, well, that's good, but it's not quite it. And you go, no, 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 no. And then I pick up a bass with the other two strings <laughs> and finish it off. And that's what Jed does. You know, he has, he has this complete picture where sort of a percussion is really intrinsic to it. And he's always right. He's always right. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah i lo- love that boy don't get to play with him anywhere near enough hmm. but there you go what a wonderful play how, how did you guys meet them we met uh through johnny marr and bernard bernard sumner when mm-hmm. um they did it was electronic i think was it their third album i can't remember which which was, was like about at 98 99 and they put this band together and, and it was just for a tv tour we just we went around europe and we did like tfi friday and we did loads of live tvs and it was basically the the greatest band that never was i actually in my book the way i describe it is is that it used to be this, that whenever i saw jed we'd sort of sit and we'd have this moment where we just looked glumly at our pints and bemoaned <laughs> <laughs> this band that never was that never took although actually on my podcast rock on tours not mine, mine and Gary Kemp. Yes. Uh, Johnny Marr finally confessed to me. Because for years, there was this thing of, they blamed Bernard and Johnny blamed each other. Well, oh, I'd love to go on tour, but he won't. No, oh, I'd love to do it, but he won't. And Johnny finally fessed up, said, "Guy, it was me. Oh. <laughs> so that's why that did... But that's how we met. We sort of fell in love and, and had this sort of bromance. Yeah. And then did various other things. I'm trying to think what else we've done. We, I mean, the funny thing is, we haven't actually done all that much together i've got i mean did some great stuff with me with brian johnson oh we did a great we played on the um uh tom jones pretenders duet right on yes. his, oh yeah the version of lust for life Yeah. Uh, and i got him in on uh for what was really just an exploratory day with david gilmore for the on an island album which was just really really early on day at um Abbey Road, and and David was really just trying. It was like kind of you know, it was the blues jam stage mm-hmm. of of making the album. But funnily enough, the only thing that ended up on the record from that day was the th- the track that Jed played on, which was taking wow. a breath. Amazing,
0: so, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, uh, I, I remember on a on a, a drunken night out with Jed, uh, and Jed had uh, he said, oh, "I've got a cold. I'm only going to have one pint." And I said, "Okay." And uh, it was about ten later. He, he, we were sitting in a bar, and he mentioned that he'd done something with Brian Johnson, and my jaw nearly. <laughs> so you were involved in that too? Were you, you got him on that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I got it. I got
0: him. I put the band. Amazing! Oh, just it was
1: actually it was, it was actually a load of something because Brian had been working with Jimmy Nail. Right oh right, okay. So, you know, great two great Geordie
0: singers, yeah. indeed. Indeed. So uh,
1: yeah, that was fun. It's always fun with Jed.
0: Oh, great guy, and and you know it, it's a pity we don't see more of him on social media. But I'll try and uh, I'll try and twist his arm. You'll no, he, know.
1: he he I know he does subtle, nice little replies to things on them. Um, yes, on. I think actually the Pete Townsend thing made him actually break cover and post a photo, <laughs> he did. He did. which for him is the equivalent of sort of appearing naked at the
0: opening <laughs> of the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> but it was nice to see, you know, and um, yeah. Right, I've got an album I want to talk to you about. Now, my friend um, and great UK touring drummer, Steve Barney, good mate of mine, and uh, he often will send me things through suggestions of things I might like, and a lot of the times I've heard them, but quite a few I haven't heard. And he sent me an album through a little while ago, um, Toy Matinee. I I Uh, thought it might be that. Oh, and I was sometimes I look at it and go, oh, it's not going to be my thing. Well, big time, my thing that must have been a, a treat to, to do. It's just oh, it such was a heaven. great it was
1: album. Heaven. It's wow. yeah. Well, that's because it was, yeah you know, because it was a band, it was done like a band mm. and we had months. I I was in LA for about three months working on that with Pat. Cause I was the first member. It was me and Pat originally. Yeah. And then we found Kevin Gilbert. Then we found, uh, Brian. And, and it, it's, I always refer to it as it's, like it's like my first velvet underground album mm. in that only 300 people bought it, but they all started a band. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it led to Sheryl Crow. Um, the funny thing is, is, is in Britain, it's pretty much unknown, but I get so much kudos from American musicians mm. for being on that album, like more than Pink Floyd or anything, but really? like that generation that came after all of, like, yeah, I've met people who work with Dre, people who work with Beck, all those and they're all just like, whoa, toy matinee, man. And uh, so, and of course, that was the um, fantastic Brian McCloud. And what was oh, brilliant yeah. about Brian because I really, well, I was really worried because it was a super, you know, it was Pat Leonard who's such an amazing, gifted, pop who's basically a prog writer trapped mm. in the body of a pop genius. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. and, that comes yeah, across, doesn't it? Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah,
1: and uh, but he just has this amazing inbuilt. Pop. And Kevin Gilbert, who was just you know one of the great greatest talents, who never kind of quite you know found this. sure pinnacle um and we tried and i was just really really worried about it being la and just that whole kind of toto uber muso sort of thing you know i've always been you know i always i've always got a little bit of the kind of west london punk rocker yeah of course about me and um which i think is one of the things that pat likes about me that you know and uh uh, and And it was brilliant. Pat had this absurd studio. Pat had just made like half a billion dollars for Warner Brothers with Madonna, and they just said, "What do you want to do? Do whatever you want here's a blank check so you know so it was just heaven, absolute heaven, so we were all on a wage, we were just hanging out, messing around just you know and i um just laughing, and that thing of the luxury of just having so long to work out songs and to get the parts together and Brian, what I loved about Brian brian was very much um, ahead of his time in the uh, like i said we're still this is at the end of the 80s and the thing with drummers is everyone still very much wanted to be jeff peccaro or sure. simon phillips and it mm-hmm. was all super tight and super music and um and brian can do that but he comes from a sort of bay area punky background he was in this band wiretrain and he had this thing where suddenly he was playing like ringo you mm. know and it was like wow which was amazing and fantastic and really refreshing and of course, no one was doing that. And what's ironic is, like, three, four years later, everyone was playing like Ringo. Yeah, you know, and it, which gave it this lovely sort of English, slightly whimsical pop sensibility, you know, which I think really—it's it, it. the
0: whole thing—is just, and it's been on uh, since Steve. It's sent some to of the ring. best play, bass playing I've ever committed. Oh, like, I mean, it's 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 yeah. beautiful. I mean, I mean, things she said for one, uh, the fretless—it's yeah. just—it really is gorgeous.
1: Thank you. But there's, there's Last uh, play now is kind
0: of a you know, vibe. it's it's got it's just wonderful stuff. But there's I, I hear different influences in there. It's the ballad of Jenny Ledge, which I just hear that as a Steely Dan tune. Yeah, a lot time. of
1: people say that, and it kind of is, but it isn't. Mm. See, when I hear that, because I'd worked with Pat so much, I you know people hear those chords and I think oh that's Steely Dan, and I think no, they're not. They're actually Pat Leonard. That's right, actually okay. Pat yeah. stick. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So.
0: Yeah, when you know somebody that well and yeah, you know what yeah. they do, I, yeah, totally get it. But a wonderful, wonderful album, and and I'm so glad that um, that, that Steve sent me it over, you know, because it's um, I'm amazed. I mean, did it do? Did it do well? No, not every, really. No. Did it not? I, everything got weird. Things got weird with Pat and
1: Kevin, and I was in, I was advised by my manager not not to sign the deal because mm. it was so. I but I, you know I had publishing on it. I co-wrote three of the or sure. four of the songs, so I so so we, when it came out I was I was just like credited as like a session musician but yeah. you know I wasn't
0: yeah of course
1: <laughs> me I was you know really at the heart of it um, and I had to I had to leave before it finished to go off on tour with Pink Floyd anyway right. so okay you know, uh, and, yeah and then it did, oh. but then out of that because Bill Bottrell who. Was producing it. Who's like the greatest engineer ever? He started this thing called um, Tuesday Night Music Club at his mm-hmm. studio, and all the musicians used to go and hang out down there. And of course, that ended up giving birth to Cheryl Crow.
0: Of course, the yeah, Cheryl
1: Crow album. So it would kind of, you know, it was it was very very influential in that regard.
0: Because Brian had a, a you know an amazing well, has an amazing career after the band. Yeah, you know? yet, and right, Stevie yeah. Nicks does all sorts of stuff. A great player, yeah, really yeah, yeah. lovely player. I mean, you've worked with. I mean. Is there any standout drummers that you've worked with? I know you did the um, – I forget which Madonna album it was now, but there was – I did um, two
1: Madonna albums. I did Like a Prayer and, uh, a, and um, Breathless. I'm it's breathless. the Like My a Prayer. My Breathless was the one time I got to work with Jeff Beccaro.
0: Oh, I was going to ask if you'd managed to get to work with Jeff.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Hanky Panky is me and Jeff.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh. Now, uh, were, were you, he was He was just adorable. He was. Were adorable. you – when you recorded that, was it – were you kind of in the same – space at the I was, same time yeah yeah, yeah no we, we, and i had to it was quite funny because i was
1: uh i'd actually gone to miami to uh beca- because there was a, a girl i knew who was staying with the friend i was staying with mm-hmm. and we started having this sort of little scene and i snuck down to miami to see her and i had and while i was in miami pat called and said listen the, the madonna session it's on monday nine o'clock yeah hey can you be here I went oh yeah yeah okay <laughs> so i literally had to fly back from my and and I was on time and that was a joke that Pat made. He, You know, he said, Oh, okay. So Lucy, if I want you on time for a session and it's better if you're coming from 3000 miles away <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know, and, and I'd, I'd had the most wonderful weekend, right? a fantastic time with this girl who then became my girlfriend later. And, um, and um, you know, and Jeff was asking me where I'd been. I said, "Well, you know, I just went and waiting went to see something." But and we did the first take, and it was went great. And it was and it was really funny because Jeff just put his drums out and went, "Oh, guy, Miami." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, oh. yeah, no, and he was he was just wonderful. He and on the other, uh, on like a prayer, was with um, Sugarfoot Moffat.
0: Oh, and what a drummer he is. Let's be oh, honest.
1: Yeah, yeah, and because uh, all, most of. All that stuff was cut, like, except for um, the actual track "Like a Prayer," hmm. which I did as an overdub afterwards. But um, everything, like um, all that stuff, was cut in like two days, and it was just—it was the whole band in the studio with
0: Madonna singing in the control room. Really, and everything was like one take. It was amazing. That's—that's um, you—you wouldn't think an album of that statue would have been recorded quite like that, would you? Really, you think it would have been?
1: Um, no, but you know, it's interesting. He- There's lots. We always assume, right? Especially mm. with most '80s things, that how everything is just because you know. I, I, like I said, I'm an '80s boy. I spent mm. my all my time in the. I'm I'm used to being in the control room, yeah, with the producer, something, not even the artist. You know that's that cool. that's cool. and that's where I'm comfortable. I don't really like being out on a floor unless it can be nicely set up so you can because bass sounds shit on headphones unless I can hear an amp. Yeah, you know I don't really like it. I'm I'm like I said I've I've the control room is is my natural home mm. uh and you know there was a reason i was bringing that. oh yeah but i was saying so one assumes that a lot lot of these records are put to put together piecemeal and what's amazing is how many aren't what's amazing is for instance some like trevor horn who you would think is the absolute exponent. he's way more of a band guy wow. than you would think right. what he actually wants is a band in a room mm. you know so Oh, that's, that's good. I've worked with him like that. I've always been in the control. That's because he usually gets me to get something he can't do or <laughs> <I want> something <laughs> I don't do. I mean, you know, very interesting that it was Trevor, actually, to, this is a great thing about Trevor Horn, And he's absolutely right, which is that if you need acoustic guitar on a song, you get anyone but the guitar player to do it. It's, anyway, he would literally get the guy who's just delivered the pizza. To play the acoustic guitar okay. before I get to guitar, and he used to get me to play acoustic guitar a lot. And, uh, and the reasoning is absolutely brilliant because if you get the guitarist, he's going to go, "Well, I can do this, or I can give you that, or how about well, I did this? or I do this." If you give it to me or the pizza delivery, I'm going to go C, yeah,
0: G- <laughs> D- <laughs> you know, which is what you want. Just simple simplicity. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, oh, it makes sense. I mean, I mean, I mean, Jeff Baccaro, When when you mentioned Jeff, drummers. And probably bass players and other musicians go weak at the knees th- at the thought of yeah you know you know at, at the time I, I mean you know he, he passed away far too young at the time was was his genius evident oh yeah no right. it was it was it was, just, it was, just, yeah, it was
1: yeah gobsmacking absolutely gobsmacking and, and this was this was a far shuffle ding, yeah ding, 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 you know and it was yeah but, yeah I know the tune you're talking about. Up yeah, yeah. And, and no he was he was absolutely gorgeous in fact actually there was a follow-up album to toy matinee called third matinee oh with um without kevin with um ah i've forgotten his name lovely guy page from um uh from mr mr oh yes. yes yes and richard page and um is it richard? yes uh check that we put it out and um <laughs> but that's the one time i got to play with vinnie caliuta although i oh. didn't play with him together Uh, There's a track called Freedom Road, I think. It might be a couple of tracks. But I remember the engineer saying to me, Go, man, you want to. He said, If if you want to feel good about yourself, just look at these meters. Because he said, You and his bass drum are so tight. I was like, Yes!
0: (laughs) That's the ultimate compliment, isn't it, really? I mean, again, these names we're throwing out here, Vinny, you know, it's like, it's just like the gods, really. Well, the ultimate drumming album
1: I did was probably um, was Storyville, the Robbie Robertson album. And oh, again, yeah. that was when I was there for months. And we had everyone come back. Ginger Baker was there for weeks. Okay. And then the ultimate, a guy who I actually, who had been talked about in such hushed mythological tones. Of course, you've got to remember this is back when I was young and everyone mm. I was working with was, was older than me. Mm. And, and, you, and, of course, people in their 40s, the idea of people in their 40s, they were, were ancient. And so we had Zigaboo Modeliste. Oh, right, brilliant. And who who I knew about from the fine tutelage of Robert Palmer. Yeah. And I said, and, and Robert used to talk about this guy like it was literally like he wasn't even real, you know. And it was, and I I just assumed from the way Robert talked about him, I thought well, he's obviously dead or ninety or something. <laughs> and of course, he wasn't. He was in his early forties. He'd been working in a shoe shop in New Orleans, and um, he came and he was oh my god. Yep. And he's one of those things so you you couldn't even really what he was doing he just did stuff and there was just this amazing kind of funky soup at me and it's i, I remember you know robbie used to say man if you tried watching ziggy you can't even see He said he's like he's mixing up gumbo <laughs> <laughs> lovely and, and we had even tony williams tony williams oh, came down and played on wow. but then i and, and of course i was terrified i mean i'm not a jazzer i was absolutely terrified when he came in but um but then they got him to play like a four on a foot on the floor, straight rugby, <laughs> and, and it wasn't really happening. And, no. and it's like, of course it isn't fucking happening, but why are you asking him to do that? You know, please, give me, you know, give me some spaced out swing to do, you know.
0: Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, who else is uh, on that? Oh, Jerry Marotta. Oh, br- lovely. Who I'd already worked with on A Dream Academy. Yeah. I loved, I adored Jerry. Wonderful was, player. And his brother yeah, Rick yeah, is, yeah. is pretty fabulous as yeah. well, I have to say. Yeah. Oh And
1: um, oh, who else? I think there were others on that. I can't even think them. But yeah, so was, was like Ginger, said I've been incredibly lucky. Wow. So. Was Ginger his usual? Uh, no, self? Ginger was. Do you know what was funny about Ginger was? Uh, while well, because Ginger was always a few years older than that original <laughs> '60s lot. Mm. And while we were there. Ginger had his, um, and so by this point, all the people I was working with, Pink Floyd and Robbie and everyone like that, everyone was in their early 40s. You know? And you've got to remember, no one had been in their early 40s. Everything we were doing, was the, it was the first time rock and rollers had got old, or you know, yeah. middle-aged.
0: That's a good point, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was no, you know, no one knew what to do. No one knew, do you get a mortgage? Do you send your children to school? I mean, what do you do? You know, there, there was no, now, it's, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but while we were there, he invited us all to his 50th birthday party. And I remember thinking like, 50, 50, <laughs> the fuck is 50? How does that work? And we used to have, there'll be times where like Ginger would be working out a drum, he'd work out some really complex drum part and it'd be lovely. And then we'd go to record it and then he'd forget it, forget parts of it. And we'd literally be going,
0: yeah, well, you know, 50. <laughs> <laughs> Game over.
1: <laughs> yeah, getting out of it. Of well, now now, you know, I'm 60, mate.
0: Oh, dear me that's that's a hell of a lineup of drummers that isn't it for one for yeah. one album you know i'm sure
1: there were others i'm sure there are others i can't think who i can't think who i've missed but
0: but Z- zigaboo i mean i mean i believe um zigaboo used to handle the vocals for meters as well i believe be that's great right, yeah. yeah 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 amazing he was, he was a lovely man lovely man love that man oh that's incredible I'm, 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 i must revisit that album because
1: it's, do you know i did because well, i did one of the tracks for my um you know, in lockdown, I was doing hmm. these lockdown licks while yes, showing yes, people
0: sure. had you know
1: my greatest tips, which was really good fun, although nerve wracking. And it was really great to revisit something because there was the song I did about "Hold Back the Dawn." Uh, actually, has three bases on it. Oh right, okay. Just me playing chords, playing a fretless, and then a sort of I don't know trying to be Tony Levin, <laughs> <laughs> uh. failing miserably as
0: usual. <laughs> I mean, so for you, right? What? And And it's an interesting question because it brings up lots of different answers when you speak depending on who you speak to. What makes the ultimate drummer is that I mean, is, the drummers it, 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 I
1: like are the guys who who are listening to the song rather than me yeah a lot, a lot of my, i mean for instance, a lot of my when you're young, it's all, all about. Hitting the, you know, hitting the bass drum and the bass at the same time. Yeah. And when you get older, you realise it actually kind of really isn't because like New Orleans music isn't about that. At all. No, no. And for instance, like one of my dearest, oldest friends is a, uh, a, an absolute favourite, and I feel absolutely privileged to have worked with him a lot over the years, and also to have him as a friend is hmm. um, Andy Newmark. Oh,
0: well, yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah. who I adore. I, mean, I haven't seen him very but we send each other very funny emails. And, um, and for instance, I feel like a real organic thing where I mean, because we've toured a lot together, we've recorded a lot, I've done a lot of stuff with Andy. And, th- and I feel a very organic sort of thing with him where he works, but he doesn't, but he, he's not actually doing what I want. He doesn't put his, his, and it's like, it's kind of either I have to change my patterns p- to put my notes with his bass drum or just not worry about it. Okay. And, it's, and I find it's better when I just don't worry about it. So, you know, because he's not really listening. He's, he's a, because, you know, great drummers are big picture guys. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're, they're listening to the song and they'll
0: respond to something in the lyrics and they'll, mm. you know. Because there is, there is. The same there with is. the bass. I yeah. The, there is a paranoia about bass drum and bass connecting to each other, isn't there? You know, and. and uh,
1: yeah. Because it can be, because it's a fantastic and very, very satisfying thing. Yeah. But it's not necessarily what the song need. it's nice for you and it, a song doesn't necessarily need everything you know that's not necessarily what you know the, the bass might need to be loping along a bit and the, and the and the drums might need to be a bit more uptight or the other way around and you know they can they can do they can work together without being you know tied yeah. at the hip
0: i can see drummers across the world that's watching this or listening going Ah, oh, that's great. Let's <laughs> just rewrite things a little bit, you know? And it's nice because obviously it, I prefer it. Obviously, yeah. I, w- I would like, but it,
1: it's, you know, I get it's, you know, and I probably, if you'd asked me 20, 30 years ago, I probably would have said something completely different. No, the tyranny, you he- know, but now I'm not the tyranny of the bass on the bass drum. <laughs> well, most of my gigs... In the same or- way as, you know, Keith Moon never hit cymbals on he, Keith Moon did, didn't hit cymbals uh, with the bass drum, he no. didn't hit him on one. He didn't, you know, it's
0: like, whatever works anything went wasn't it i mean most of my gigs are reading gigs where i've got dots in front of me and i generally they're written where the bass will land with the bass drum you know which is it's quite it's quite a comfortable thing to hear isn't it a comforting thing to hear almost and uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah well that's good, it's well, good was, to
1: you know the greatest bit of advice that i ever have was when you know when i worked with bernard edwards oh, right when yeah. i was 22 Right, when I was hired by him to go and play on this Robert Palmer album, I know I should have quit then because, you know, that bass credit on that album, Riptide, <laughs> Robert Palmer, when it just says bass, Bernard Edwards and Guy Pratt. Wow. I should have gone, right, that's it. I'm going to go and be an accountant. I'm done. A pinnacle. I'm done here. <laughs> and he used to, and he obviously thought I was, you know, I wasn't quite there yet, but he sort of saw something in me. And, it, and he used to take me off to the games room at Cumber's Point, sit me down and give me little lessons. And it was fantastic. And the one thing he used to say to me was like, you want to show off? Do whatever the fuck you go, wherever you want, go anywhere. Just be home for one. Well, that's true, isn't it?
0: <laughs> it's true. It's very true. It's a very um,
1: parental thing to say. It's like go out,
0: be, be home, home for dog, one. be home for one. I like that. It's like when drummers start some random fill and they don't quite know <laughs> where am I. Although, well although, funny enough, I did. I did.
1: Uh, there's two records I've played on actually in the last during lockdown where I've done ludicrously long fills. uh One was a uh, Gary Barlow thing Mm -hmm. called um, uh, Incredible or Unbelievable or something, I don't know, some swing thing. And I did this film where I just started. It was like, oh, fuck, I don't know what I'm going to finish. And I just kept going. And luckily, I ended up in the right place. (laughs) And then one thing I was really pleased to play on was, um, you know, um, there's something about Jamie, the musical, the movie. Well, those Dan's a mate of mine and so is Richard, their bass player. And it was very, very sweet that they had this big disco opening number and even Richard obviously played bass on most of it. They asked me to come and do the big opening number because, you know, because I, I love it. I love the people who know that disco is really where my heart is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. sure.
1: So, um, and, and I did this one fill in it where I literally just went up the dusty end and started heading. It. it was like, <laughs> Oh shit. I have no idea where I'm going to end. Oh shit. And I just kept going kept going kept going and luckily landed and they kept it, it was brilliant and when i went to, i went to the screening of it dan Sells came up to me he came up with the most brilliant description he went we kept your mastermind filling." in I said, what do you mean mastermind he said you know i've started so i'll finish
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh lovely look guy it's been a pleasure talking to you before we go we have to talk about your fabulous uh podcast the rock and tours and and if anybody if anybody watching this uh hasn't i don't know they must have been living under a rock or something if they haven't heard it um just 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 talk a little bit about it because it it is truly magnificent
1: it is brilliant well it's um it's myself and gary kemp uh, and and we talk to musicians or producers uh, or anyone, we think, but it, it tends to be musicians or producers. And what's lovely is that we, and we kind of cover every base in that Gary's an artist, and so he can relate to everyone from the point of view of being an artist and under the pressure of fame and all that stuff. And of course, I'm a musician, so I can relate on all the other side mm. of things and have. A, so, and because you know, because of that, because we're not journalists, people seem to be very, very comfortable talking to us. You know, we always get something. I don't. We don't know sure we haven't heard before you know there's always a scoop we've had a couple of big scoops we have one story that actually ended up being a big story in both the times and the guardian really yeah which is when bob harris told us that nixon asked elvis to spy on john lennon (laughs) seriously (laughs) um and it's yeah and it's the funny thing is is people think it's a lockdown thing but it, it we'd actually started doing it before oh really i didn't i didn't realize yeah, no that. we started but we hadn't released them because we were we were trying to get a 10 of them together and having to go into studios and record them mm. and then but what was brilliant about lockdown uh, you know obviously not much was but but was that the whole world went to zoom
0: mm. you
1: know and so and it went oh my god so, so now we can talk to anyone anywhere in the world the other interesting thing is is how uh the uh, the length of podcasts changed mm. Because podcasts were forty-five minutes, sure, because they were based on the uh, average length of a commute.
0: Oh, right! I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, app- apparently that's what. It, uh, and but after lockdown, it was basically make it as long as you want because it's basically people who want to stay outside walking the dog. Mm, cool. <laughs> so, but yeah, we've done over. We've done nearly eighty episodes now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, <coughs> I'm, I'm actually got a couple on... of Corkers
0: coming up. Yeah. I must say, I think you so are must... number eighty for me. Actually. So I think you are actually. Nominated. Oh wow! Well, oh, well done. I think so. Anyway, so but do you, do you, I have to ask: Do you have a favorite episode? I know that's that's a favorite. Pick a favorite child, but um... for so, uh, there's something about, uh, and this seems
1: to be universal. There's some. There's just something about David Coverdell. Yes, where that's the right. Everyone answer. just loves him so much, and we love him, and he's just so the right mix of kind of adorableness and preposterousness and um, what's so wonderful about david is he absolutely knows who he is and knows exactly what he's doing yeah you know and he's one and what was interesting and and he really really knows guitars Mm. that was interesting he talked very specifically about guitars but, um, yeah, you know, again, that's, that's an, another drummer, by the way, who I loved working with was, uh, Denny Carmasi. Denny,
0: oh yes. I know you did the, the yeah, Coverdale oh, Page thing, didn't you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I did the Coverdale Page thing with, and then I did the White Snake album with him. And, and he's, oh, I loved that. I, I learned so much from him because hmm. I didn't, because I didn't really know that kind of rock world. And it's a lot more, lot less straightforward and a lot more adventurous. And you kind of think there's an hmm. awful lot of turning beats around and. You know, not just being straight two-four snare and stuff. So it was, you know, and and he's got a a brilliant head and just that kind of rock, solid, you know,
0: Stonehenge
1: groove. (laughs) Nothing is going
0: to move, you know. But I I know David has, uh, he's like an encyclopedia for music because I've had, I spoke for uh, with Tommy Aldridge for, oh gosh, we had had a chat for at least an hour and 20 minutes. and, And he said, you know, if I change the slightest thing in, in a white snake song live, David on he's onto it straight away. Yeah, 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 no, he missed. Yeah, and he he doesn't miss a thing, you know. And and I'm sure you well you'll know that better than most.
1: Well, what's funny though, because actually listening back to, because there's been a great remix and reissue of the album I did, Rest yeah. It's Heart. And it was great because it's very much a return to the sort of his blues rock roots. Yeah. it's actually really good. Now listen, I'm actually really quite proud of some of my playing on it. Some really nice playing. Because mm. at the time, I remember it being really simple, my favourite. Because Dave, because you know, everything David says is just the most brilliant quote, right? Everything that comes out of his mouth is amazing. And I remember, cause I remember at one point, I can't remember what I was doing, but I came up with some riff or something. And David went, Guy, Guido, rather, Guido, crazy as I am about your playing, I'm afraid
0: this isn't a Peter Gabriel record. (laughs) That's a really good impression as well, I have to say. (laughs) Oh, You know, I I try and pick things at random. Sometimes I don't know who they are, and you find out stuff, like the the Pat Leonard one, for example. Yeah, I didn't know, but I thought, let's have a listen. But I have to say, as as, as an old old rocker, and um, Brian Johnson was magic, and 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 Joe yeah, Elliott, was fantastic. Joe yeah. Elliott was so giving as well. Joe Elliott,
1: I don't we we I don't know why we bothered turning up. Frankly, <laughs> I think I said like five words in the whole thing.
0: And then he disagreed with me or something. <laughs> no, oh, but he's absolutely brilliant. He was brilliant. just amazing. And you know, I urge anybody who hasn't uh, hasn't heard seen scene, well, heard it. It's, not, it's I don't think. It, I think there's clips of it. No, on YouTube, it's, there, there's
1: only there, clips of it. We don't, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just audio, but it's on every platform. It's usually number one on the Apple chart
0: most weeks. Yeah. yeah. Say, so yeah, um, But do go and listen because you, you won't. Honestly, you know, <laughs> have you had any drummers on yet, or has it just been uh, Nick Mason? Oh, yeah, of course, Nick was the first one, wasn't he? Yeah. Chris yeah. France, ah, oh, really? I didn't realise. I've not yeah, heard that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And oh. um, uh, we've got another big drummer coming up very soon. In fact,
0: oh, that's interesting. Obviously, I can't say. No, of so, course, of course no. not. Excellent. Well, look, um, it's been a, an absolute joy to yeah, talk to you, and, and I really appreciate it, guy. I really do. Thank you so You're much. You're very, for very, your very welcome. And um, good luck with everything. Good luck with the tour. Um, Thank you. Fingers crossed it goes without any hitches whatsoever. Yeah. All the dates on sourcefulofsecrets dot com. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I shall try and I shall try and uh, try and nip along to one if I can. I'll do my utmost. And where's
1: uh, near for where's near for you?
0: For me, um, Manchester, Liverpool aren't too far away, I guess. All uh, right. Well, just give us a shout. I'll hook you up. That would be incredible. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you very much. See you soon. Take care, guy. Cheers. Bye bye. Brilliant, mate.